So we are in the middle of a, well, probably not middle, but anyway, we're in the middle of a series, and we're looking at who God is. What is God like? Because we want to know God. And when we get to know somebody, we, we learn to trust them. We get to know them, who they are, what they're like. So how can we rely on them? So the fact is this, God is so amazingly good and brilliant, and that is why we love to worship him and honour him and celebrate him and declare his truth. But we need, to, we need to know who God is. So over the last few weeks, we've looked at the fact that God is our shepherd, that God is our provider, that God is our banner. And today, we're looking at a verse in the book of Leviticus where God names himself, and he names himself as the one who sanctifies you. So God says, I am the Lord who sanctifies you. I am the Lord who makes you holy. So it depends on whatever English translation we read. I am the Lord that sanctifies you. I am the Lord that makes you holy. I am the Lord that sets you apart to be holy. God is in the business of sanctifying people and things and making them holy. So we're looking at the name of God, and when we see the name the Lord there, we know the Lord is God's name. It's, it's Yahweh, or from the Latin Jehovah. So it's Jehovah Makadesh, the Lord who sanctifies, the Lord who sets us apart as holy. To be set apart, to be used by God, for God, for God's special and exclusive use, to be dedicated to God, to be completely separate from any sort of common use, it's for God. Okay, so this, this word uh, that is translated as, as sanctify or holy, it, it speaks of being unique, being different, being clean, being pure. So, and it is God who does this. God takes people, God takes things that are common or unclean, that aren't pure, that aren't special, and he makes them special. He makes them different. He makes them unique. He sets them apart for his special and exclusive use. So you see that in the Bible with people, uh, with utensils, with tents, with buildings. God sets them apart for his special use. So just imagine, I don't know if you grew up with a household like this, that there was the, um, the special crockery. No, no, don't use that. That's for, that's for special occasions. No, that's, that's for when we have special people here. What am I? You know, no, 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 that's when we have guests round. So our special crockery was never used. Because it was so special, so set apart, that we could never use it. I don't know. There's some people who have like a, a special chair in their house. Oh, that's dad's chair. Or that's mum's chair. No one's allowed to sit in that chair because it's been set apart. It is holy. It is different. No one else gets to do that because it's theirs. Do you get it? And so, God wants to do that with us. 
And so God is holy. And we've sang it today. We probably didn't sing it enough. We only sang it a few times that God was holy. Because what we find is the song of heaven, the worship in heaven, is holy, holy, holy. Holy, holy, holy. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. Angelic beings sing this over and over again. Through the scriptures, when we get revelation of heaven and worship, it's holy, holy, holy. God is so different, so unique, so set apart, so holy, clean and pure. There's no one like him. That's our God. But God wants us to be holy too. And so he goes about, because he's the one who sanctifies us and makes us holy, he goes about it. So the first occurrence of the word holy recorded in the Bible is when God meets with Moses. So God is um, he's hiding in a bush, or probably he's better, he's revealing himself in and through a bush. God is setting a, a holy fire. There's a bush there. The bush isn't burning up, but it's fire. It's God's presence. And Moses, who's a shepherd at this time, sees the bush that doesn't burn and thinks, that's interesting. What's that? God has got his attention. Then he says, hang about a minute. This is my version. Hang about a minute. Take off your shoes, for where you are standing is holy ground. So this land is special, it's different, it's unique, it's holy, it's pure, it's set apart. Why? Because God is there. God is holy. When God's, the holiness of God comes, God's presence is known. So in the book of uh, Leviticus, there are a number of different places where God speaks about his holiness. So Leviticus chapter 11, verses 44 45, I'll just read some of it. I am the Lord your God. Consecrate yourselves and be holy because I am holy. Verse 45. I am the Lord who brought you up out of Egypt to be your God. Therefore, be holy because I am holy. Leviticus 19.2 says this. God is speaking to Moses and he says this, Speak to the entire assembly of Israel, the people of God, and say to them, Be holy because I am holy. In the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 7, verse 6, it says this, For you are a people holy to the Lord. You are set apart. You are special. Your, your gods, the Lord your God has chosen you out of all the peoples on the face of the earth to be his people, to be his treasured possession. God wants you. God is holy. Heaven declares the holiness of God. When Isaiah, the prophet, Isaiah chapter 6, he's, he's praying he's, and he sees the Lord. 
And he sees the angelic beings coming, singing the song that we know. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Right? And, and as I was like going, oh no, woe is me. I'm done. I'm a man of unclean lips. I live amongst the people of unclean lips. I've seen God. And then uh, Angel comes with a burning coal and burns on his lips. The heat, the fire of God comes and says, you know, you're clean. Now, you're clean now. Um, I've got a job to be done. Who shall I send? And I say, well, you can send me. And God sends him to speak. So God, our God, is holy, unique, different. He's pure. He's clean. And he wants us to be the same. So it's there in the Hebrew scripts in the Old Testament. Leap into the New Testament, into 1 Peter, Peter's letter. And Peter says this, But just as he who called you, so that's 1 Peter 1.15, But just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. For it is written, and we know it's been written, be holy because I am holy. Are you getting the message? What does God want you to be? He wants you to be holy, set apart. For whose use? His special and exclusive use for God's purposes and God's plans. We'll fly back to Leviticus now. Thanks, Dave, up there. Leviticus 20. So we come back, 7 and 8. The Lord says this, Consecrate yourselves. Consecrate. Consecrate. Set yourselves apart. Be holy. Be different. Be holy because I am the Lord your God. Keep my decrees. Keep what I say my words, my laws, follow them. Another way of saying that is obey them. Live out what I say. I am the Lord who makes you holy. Who makes you holy? Do you make yourself holy? Do you make yourself pure or clean or set apart? No. no. And yet, we sort of can... Consecrate yourselves and be holy. So you're, you're holy. You're telling me to be holy. You're telling me that you make me holy and you want me to be holy. So there's something we've got to do. So we can't make ourselves holy. We cannot sanctify ourselves. It's God who does it. But we do need to be participators. We do need to be cooperators. We need to cooperate with God. Okay? So. That's a good one, isn't it, Anthony? That's a, so I've made you clean. Don't get unclean. Keep yourself clean. So, the book of Leviticus carries on from the book of Exodus. Exodus tells the story of how God rescued his chosen people from Egypt out of a land of slavery, out of a land of bondage, out of hard work, out of oppression, out of difficulties, out of trouble, out of injustice and unfairness. God 
Here's the Christ of his people, raises up Moses to be the man of the moment, and God rescues his people from this land. And he brings them, this is a short version, he brings them to the Mount of Sinai, where God and Moses are like best friends. And they spend a lot of time together, and God speaks to Moses, and Moses speaks to the people. And the people are in a place there of waiting. They're waiting for God to bring through their destiny. God had promised them, he says, I am going to give you a land, a land flowing with milk and honey, a good, prosperous, awesome, lovely place to live in. But there are dangers in that land and there are problems in that land. There will be difficulties, but you will be able to overcome them. So you need a time of preparation. Who likes that? Who likes waiting on God? Who likes being in preparation? Who likes it when you say, oh, I just want to get on with it, God? And God is going, you're not ready for it, son. You're not ready for it, daughter. I need to teach you a better way and a different way to live and to worship me. So God speaks, shorthand version in the book of Leviticus, how they are to live with God and for God, how they are to worship him in appropriate ways and not inappropriate ways because God is holy and how they're to relate to one another. Because God is special and he's calling them to his special purpose and they're a special people because they've been called to this special purpose. And at this time... um, God, the Lord God introduces the sacrificial system to his people. So, in other words, the only way without, it says elsewhere, without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sin. And so if we want to draw close to a holy God, it's like holiness, there's life. And in sin, in doing things wrong, in being unclean, there is death. And there was a stark reality for them to come to terms with the life that God gives and with the the death, the uncleanness, sin, uh, pollution, profanity brings. And so what they were doing in bringing animals to God as sacrifice was a temporary covering for sin that could never make them totally perfect for those that were drawing close to God. And God intended it to be that way Because all the sacrifices were pointing to the ultimate sacrifice that we've sung about, that we've celebrated. Jesus, God's son, going to the cross and dying for you and me. Dying in our place instead of us. The pure, clean, holy one for the unrighteous, unclean, non-holy one. And so there can be an awesome, holy transfer taking place. Jesus offered himself to his father as the perfect sacrifice for sins. And so God wanted his people, Israel, the people of God, he wanted them to establish his kingdom on the earth to show the other nations what it looks like when you live, when you worship Yahweh, the one true living God. 
And so, um, God is teaching them how to be holy, how to be clean, how to be set apart, how to be different from the other nations. And so, there's a lot of detail in Leviticus. There's a lot of commands. There's a lot of laws about what you can eat and what you can't eat, what you can drink, what you can wear, how you have your hair cut, all sorts of stuff that we're going, eat what? But there's a reason for it. There's loads of stuff. So I'm just going to summarize a little bit. Leviticus 18, chapter 18, verse 1 says this. The Lord says to Moses, speak to the Israelites and say to them, I am the Lord your God. You must not do as they do in Egypt, where you used to live. Don't go back to your past. And you must not do as they do in the lands of Cana, where I'm bringing you. Don't be like them. Don't be like Egypt. Don't be like Cana. Don't be like your past. Don't be like those that live in the land I'm promising to you. Do not follow their practices. You must obey my laws and decrees. Be careful to follow them. I'm the Lord your God. Keep my decrees and laws, for the person who obeys them will live by them. God is trying to impart life to his people. I am the Lord. And then you can read various laws. And then in verse 24, it says this, Do not defile yourselves in any of these ways. He's taught, there's examples. Because this is how the nations that I'm going to drive out before you became defiled. Even the land was defiled. So I punished it for its sin. And the land vomited out, sicked out, puked out its inhabitants. But you must keep my decrees and my laws. The native born and the foreigners residing among you must not uh, do any of these detestable things. For these things were done by the people who live in the land before you. And the land became defiled. And if you defile the land, it will vomit you out. As it vomited out the nations that were before you. God's warning them, you need to be different in this place. Otherwise, it's going to spit you out, spew you out. Don't let their standards become your standards. Don't let their perspective be your perspective. Don't let their worldview be your worldview. You don't belong to them. You belong to me, says God. Your destiny is meant to be a place of blessing for you. But if you don't keep yourself holy, if you don't keep yourself sanctified unto me... The land, the promised land, the hope and the blessing and the fruitfulness of that land, it will kick you out. You need to be different. Sin is serious. The consequences of sin are serious. Sin leads to death and destruction and judgment. Now, the strict sacrificial system helped them to realize how stark a reality sin was, being unclean was and being pure was. Life and death. Life and death. And I think that often we forget about the starkness of life and death. 
following God and following the ways of this world. I'm not talking about the world that's the beautiful world of creation. I'm not talking about the good stuff. I'm talking about the world that is under the power of the devil, a fallen, evil structure that is utterly opposed to God and his purposes. That sort of world. You know, salvation, we, we can say like, oh, has that person been saved? Have they prayed a prayer? Salvation is not a ticket to heaven. I've prayed a prayer, that's it, heaven. No, Jesus calls us to discipleship, to become like him. I make you holy, so be holy. Continue being holy. Work out the holiness, the purity, the cleanliness that I've put in you. Work it out. Live it out. You know, to be honest with you, I'm so thankful to God that, I don't know, I don't think I could do it. Well, that they can do it. To, to, to go through all those laws and to, to live them all out. I'm so glad that I don't need to go and sacrifice animals and all the stuff that they used to, used to do. I'm so glad that it's different. But I do not want to take lightly the death of Jesus on the cross for us. That God himself came down to earth, became one of us so that we could become like him. I don't want to crucify him over again. I don't want to treat as unholy the most holy thing that God himself died for us instead of us. That we can become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. We must behold him, look to him, remind ourselves of who he is and what he's done in our, in our fight against temptation and sin. Keep him before us. Behold him, the Holy One, so that we don't fall away from him. Jesus has offered the perfect sacrifice. We can't do it. We need him. So we must remember that sin is serious. It leads to death and destruction. We need to say of things that come our way, no, it looks so appealing. It looks so great. Oh, this is death to me, and I choose life. We need to get a starkness within us to stop us being friends with this world. So let's remember, I'm not preaching... Um, uh, salvation by works. It is God who does the sanctifying. It is God who makes us holy, but we do have to participate. We do have to cooperate. When Jesus worked, worked, well, he did work. When he walked on the earth, he was in constant relationship with his Father. And when he walked on the earth, he was establishing God's kingdom. The rule and reign, the power of God, the authority of God. When he walked and talked, he was establishing the kingdom of God. When, you met Je when they met Jesus, they were experiencing the kingdom of God coming amongst fallen humanity. Jesus was about redeeming lost, broken, hurt creation to restoring it. The kingdom of heaven was breaking in. Heaven was being loosed and hell was running away. So when 
When Jesus touched people's lives, he was doing something that they were told not to do. So there was this thing about being separate. Don't touch that, it will make you unclean. Don't do that, it will make you unclean. One of the things was don't touch a dead body. Jesus touched dead bodies. Jesus, don't go anywhere near anyone with leprosy. Jesus touched leprosy. Why? Because God was saying to the people, be separate, be different. Don't catch the contagious uncleanness. Don't catch it. Stay away from it. But the Holy One from heaven comes down and says, now there is a new order and a new day. I'm bringing contagious holiness. That means I can touch the leper, they can be clean. Jesus had no fear of catching leprosy. He could reach out and touch it, and it was gone. Jesus had no fear of death. He could reach out and touch a dead body and see it raised from the dead. The person become alive again. Jesus, in his conversations with people, in his talking to them, he was bringing in the kingdom of God in a new way. The Holy One coming down and bringing contagious holiness. Wow. I want to be like that. I want to be like Jesus. Oh, oh, didn't he say, come follow me and I will make you to be like me? Doesn't God say, I am holy, you become holy? Oh, God is super different. He is so unique. He's not like us. But the invitation is, Come and be like me. Come and follow me, but be about my purpose. Be about my purpose on this earth. God's rule, God's reign, God's power, God's authority. It's not about you, and it's not about me, but he calls us, and he says, who can I send? Pick me, pick me, choose me, me, me. Can I have a go? Can I have a go at that? Can I do that? Can I be like you? Yes, you can. So Jesus makes us pure and holy and different, sanctified, set apart for God's special and exclusive purposes. So why are we still living like we're in Egypt? Or why are we living as if we've come into this new place? Oh, I believe in Jesus. I become a Christian. And we can turn back like a dog returns to its vomit. Just going to see how many times I can get vomit in the sermon today. And... Um, or I, I'm following God, and then in this new place of living for God, there's all sorts of things that distract me and hoodwink me, and I get involved with them rather than keeping my eyes fixed on Jesus and following him. Wow. Why do we do that? I think a major part of it is because we live by our feelings. Right? We are those who belong to something called the Christian faith. Faith is being sure of what you hope for, certain of what you do not see. Like, what I believe in God who's holy, who calls me to be different and live differently. Can I do that? By faith, I see me being different. By faith, I see me being like Jesus. Wow. Can I do this? God says, yes, you can. You can. You can be like this. Okay. But you know what? This, this thing, well, it's hurting so much. It's so much pain. 
and I can call out to God, but he, well, it just seems painful waiting for God, and, and this, would be, this would be such a quick fix. If I just go to this, if I just drink that, eat that, do that, speak to this person, spend time doing this, then, well, for a little bit, it makes me feel bad. But you know what? Now I know just enough to make me feel guilty about my sin. I can't even enjoy my sin now because I, I'll do it for a moment and I think, oh, this is, oh, this is gross. I just, oh, why do I have to be cleansed again? Or we fall into some trap because our feelings, uh, it's the Christian faith, not the Christian feelings. But I haven't said that. Feelings are good. Submitted feelings. I love experiencing God. I love experiencing the Holy Spirit. I love having the feeling when it feels like I'm the only person in the whole world that God wants to be with. I love it when we know and experience the presence of God. But I'll be honest, I don't always feel like that. Sometimes I feel God is in the house. And other days I go, by faith, God is in the house. Thank you, Lord, for your presence. Thank you, Lord, that you are with me. Thank you, Lord, that you work by faith. But if we live by feelings, we can get into all sorts of problems. My feelings can be deceptive. My feelings do what wants to please me now. My feelings will want to do things that fix me now or get me out of it now or help me to escape now. That's what my feelings do to me. My feelings, oh, I just want to feel pleasure. I just want to be entertained. I don't want to know about the bad stuff that needs changing and needs cleaning. I just want, I just want it all to be about me and how I feel. That's what my feelings do to me. My pleasure. But there's something of faith in me. Goes, I want to live for the glory of God. I want to live to see people know about Jesus. I want to see people know Jesus, meet with him, be changed by him. That's all I want to do with my life. And on a good day, that's what I'm on about. On a bad day, well, bad, bad day, bad minute, bad few seconds. You know, God wants us to be different and holy. So we need to participate and cooperate. So how are we going to do it? Submission. I unreservedly submit and yield myself to you, King Jesus. I give myself to you. I intentionally, by faith, draw close to you. And then what my born-again spirit needs to do is kick my mind, my will and emotions into line. We sang it, Jody read it out. Praise the Lord, O my soul. My soul, my mind, my will, and my emotions. Who's saying praise the Lord? My spirit, the spirit, my born again spirit is saying, start thinking about God. Start praising God. Start exhorting Him. Start talking about the goodness of God. Then my mind will start thinking about God. My heart, my feelings will start going, wow. He's rather good, isn't he? God is rather good. Yeah. And then I'm going to choose to live for God. And so, but our spirit needs to take charge because our feelings want to lead us. And if our feelings want, I'm sorry, I'm going to do this to you. 
fish and chips. Just, I feel like some fish and chips. You'll start thinking about fish and chips, talking about fish and chips, and then you'll go and buy fish and chips. Now, fish and chips in and of themselves, I don't think are sinful unless it becomes sin for you. Hopefully you know what I mean. But there are loads of other things that we go, no, 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 no. And then we start thinking about them, wanting them, and before you know it, we're doing it. That is living by feelings. But living by the will, by the spirit, I will live for God. So I yield myself to him. I intentionally draw close to him. And then I say, not my will be done, God's will be done. So we remember Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane, not my will be done, your will be done. So every aspect of our life needs to be, not my will be done, your will be done. Because if you're anything like me, my fallen will wants to have a, a vote and an opinion about absolutely everything. And so I'm going to say to myself, I will. I will put my trust in the blood of Jesus for my sanctification. I will deny myself. I will die to myself and live for God's purpose and glory. I will make good choices. I will make the right decision. You know what? I'm going to live by the Holy Spirit and not by my sinful nature. So Holy Spirit, come into my life more and more of you. Lord, Holy Spirit, lead me into all truth. Convict me of my sin. Convict me of my sin. Convict me of my unrighteousness. And convince me of all that is true and right. Oh God, do it in me. Make them a prayer. I will prayers. I will read, memorize, meditate, study and live out God's word. That's what I'm going to do. I will live in relationship with Jesus. He is the vine. I'm just a branch. So I am going to remain in him. He is my life source. He is my strength. Nothing else, nothing else of this fallen world is. I'm going to be remaining in Jesus. I will repent of my sin. I will confess my sin to God and another trusted person. By faith, I will receive God's forgiveness and live in the good of his forgiveness. I will forgive myself. I will forgive that person. You know, I will say no to temptation and sin when it comes my way. Do you know what? I will be transformed in my thinking. I will disagree with myself. And I will agree with God and his words. I will align myself with heaven. And I will misalign myself from this fallen world, from the power of hell. I will not make it about me. I will love and serve others. I will persevere. I will allow perseverance to finish its work in me so that I may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. I will be holy unto the Lord. What about you? What about you? What is the act of your will? Living 
by the act of our will. A spirit submitted to Jesus, telling our will what to do, not how you feel. It's a lifesaver. Lifesaver. So choose God. Choose life and not sin and death. You know, God wants to lead us into greater freedom and in greater life and in greater relationship with him. But you know what sin does? Sin promises. Sin promises a greater freedom. This will do you good. This will be great for you. It promises a greater life. But sin over-promises and it under-delivers. Sin can't do what it says. It lasts for a moment, but then it destroys life. Sin crouches at the door of our lives and it wants to have us. But we must master it. Submit to Jesus. No. No. And as we continue to trust and obey the one who sanctifies us, we will be able to testify to his faithfulness, to his goodness, to his love, enabling us to live a truly sanctified, holy, full, abundant life. We can celebrate the faithfulness and goodness of God looking back over the years. That's what we want to do on the 4th of September. Celebrate God's faithfulness to this people over the years as the church celebrates its 40th birthday. God making us holy, God sanctifying us is a process. And so the work of his spirit is absolutely vital. It's a supernatural work of God. It is not our own work. And so the Holy Spirit will renew our mind. He will shape our wills. He will draw us closer to God. He will purify us. He will transform us so that we become to look more like Jesus. It is God who makes us holy. And the beautiful truth is this, that during this process, although we participate, although we cooperate with him, it's him, it's him who does it. It's God who does it. It's God who does the work. And he who began this good work in us will carry it on to completion. God is faithful. God will not give up. God will not lose heart with you. So don't give up with him. Don't lose heart with him. Hold on to him, literally, for dear life. So let us live in faith, by faith, and not in unbelief. Let us live in gratitude, thanking God for everything, and not in ingratitude, moaning and complaining about things. That won't help us. Let us live in obedience to God and not in rebellion to God. Let us live ready for the battle, seeking to partner with God, establishing his kingdom here on the earth amongst fallen humanity because he is the one who sanctifies us. Praise God that he is at work. Thank you, Lord, that you call us to be holy because you are holy and that you make us holy. Thank you, Lord. We bless and praise your name. Amen.